calling all bartenders. That's you guys. Vinepair has partnered with Remy Martin to host the annual Remy Martin Bartender Talent Academy Cocktail Competition. Here's what's going down. To enter, simply submit your own riff on the classic cocktail, the Sidecar, which we covered in episode 18, by the way. By Friday, September 30th, 2022, you can stand the chance to win a trip to France on top of a host of cash prizes. Head to the link in the show description to find out more. And hey, good luck. Hey, this is Tim McCurdy and welcome to Vinepair's Cocktail College, a weekly deep dive into classic cocktails that goes beyond the recipe with America's best bartenders. The list of drinks in the canon of tequila classics really isn't that long. Once you've mastered the margarita and the paloma, there's not that much to choose from. And one of the most appealing next stops, I would say, is El Diablo. Perhaps you know that the name is Spanish for the devil. Maybe you're also familiar with its components. Tequila, lime, creme de cassis, and either ginger ale or ginger beer. But have you ever stopped to consider how and why that list of seemingly unrelated constituents first came together? And were you familiar with the fact that it's now quietly trending? We're getting into that and more. Sorry, I feel like I say that all the time, but it is true. With today's guest, Josue Alde Gonzalez. Josue has more than a decade of experience in the industry, during which time he's built up a clear passion for hospitality. These days, these days, you'll find him as a partner at Unfiltered Hospitality and occasionally working behind the Sylvester Bar in Miami. Without further ado, it's Cocktail College and it's brought to you by the fine folks, the Vine Pair Podcast Network. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna start now. This is Cocktail College. This is the Cocktail College podcast coming at you from Miami and New York today, and we are joined by the wonderful Josue Gonzalez, otherwise known as Josue All Day. How's it going, man? Oh, it's going great. It's going really, really well. It's a beautiful day here in Miami. I tell you what, it's a beautiful day here in New York as well, but it, the temperature's just starting to drop a little, and after a bit of a Scorchio summer, everyone's pretty happy about that. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I kind of envy you for that. Uh, Miami is hot and hot as hell. I really, <laughs> I really enjoy the fall season. I think that's my favorite season. Oh man, fall or spring, you know, those transitions, I'm, I'm, I'm down for either of them. They're so good. Yeah. You know, it's just uh, transitioning. We don't have that here in Miami. It's just summer all, all year, you know, and then in the right now is when the showers are starting to, to come. It's getting, you know, it'll rain for 20 minutes and it'll be sunny. Then it'll rain for 45 minutes and it'll be sunny for two hours. And then you're just going through the cycle. Just going through that. You know, what? I used to have that when I lived in Cambodia and it was very weird. You yeah. know, it, things dried off real quick and then, yeah. It's, it's terrible for my anyway. hair. It's like super curly. I'm like, man, I just this humidity is killing me. Josue, we're in exactly the same boat there. I'm, <laughs> the humidity kills me, and then I have to use more product. Anyway, you know, weather and hair, things I could talk about all day. I know. I mean, you, have a, you have a great, great head of hair, man. I, I, I checked you out. 
<laughs> I checked yours out too. Um, here's something we need to we need to figure out off the bat here, though. For this one, you know, you're a Spanish speaker. I'm a Spanish speaker as well here. The cocktail today is El Diablo, and I often see it written about the El Diablo, which just me. doesn't make sense. So, what are we going with today? Are we going with the Diablo? Or are we going with El Diablo? Because we got we got to figure this out. We are definitely, undeniably, gonna go with El Diablo, because Perfecto. because it, that's just the way it is. It's El Diablo. It's not the devil. Exactly. You know. So, and 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 I was gonna follow up there with that one for you in case anyone who doesn't speak Spanish, the cocktail, of course, does mean the devil. The name El Diablo. For anyone unaware, can you start by telling us what is in this drink? What makes what makes it up? So this cocktail right now, if you were to order it at a bar, you would get it with tequila, lime, ginger beer, and creme de cassis. So it's essentially a tequila mule with a little little twist. And you said if you were to order this now, um, in terms of bars and current popularity, is this one that I can expect to go into most bars and order and, and they're going to say, here's, yeah, you know, El Diablo, one coming right up now. Or is this one that maybe the bartender is going to have to pull out their phone? and No, it's funny that you mentioned checks. that for sure. Um, I actually uh, have been ordering them recently. You know, who, who knew I'd be ordering El Diablos? And <laughs> every bartender kind of looks at me and some of them are like, oh, yeah, I, I think I know that one. And then some of, them, some of them are just like, uh, okay. And then they turn around and then you see them hide in the corner with their phone out. They're like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> but the ones that, that actually, the majority of them kind of have heard it already. So I think it's like, it's coming about again and people are starting to familiarize themselves with it again. And when, when you're in that situation, question here for you. Are you ever tempted to just turn around and be like, you know what, I can have something else? I mean, you can expect most bartenders to be able to look at the spec and pull it off. But if that's maybe their first time making it or, you know, they haven't made it in a long time. I had this recently with I ordered a Cameron's kick somewhere and the bartender did exactly the same thing. And I got to say, it was a little disappointing, the cocktail that, that made it my way in the end. Really? And it's a great bar, and I think you know what I know. Is the that's Cameron's not cocktail. Cake that... Similar to the, um, the, it's like it has allspice and. No, it's a different one. It's an it's a it's an Irish whiskey cocktail. I'm forgetting all of the components now. I believe it might have. Um, it's got orgeat. It's a shaken yeah, Irish actually, whiskey you know cocktail I, I with orgeat. That. Yeah, that's one that for sure that I would be like. I don't know. I'm gonna figure out whatever. Yeah, I know. We we had run a we had run an article about it on Vine Parents, so I was like, you know, I'm keen to have this, and then. Felt a little disappointed, but um, so yeah. What are you doing in that situation? I mean, one of my favorite things about bartending and you know the the network that we have now that we can communicate with so many people and like you know we have like everything in, in the world is in our pocket. You know, I can find out whatever I need to know at any given moment. So somebody comes up to you and they order something that you don't know. It's an exciting opportunity to get to know them, get to know why they're ordering it, to learn that thing, and then if you like it, share it with others. And El Diablo, what is it, apart from, you know, a wonderful evocative name there, what is it that makes this cocktail most notable for you? Uh, for me, I would have to say that 
the thing that I like the most about it is what people don't like the most about it, which is the creme de cassis. And I don't actually like creme de cassis, but I like the idea of putting creme de cassis in a cocktail that has ginger beer and tequila and lime to kind of soften it, soften it up, you know, to hide some of those like sharp ginger notes to kind of make the cocktail balance. Because I'm like, you have a Moscow Mule and they could be really good or they could be really bad. So it's like you're, you're adding a little spice element to it that helps make the cocktail a little bit more refined, I guess, you know, palatable. Yeah. I think I'm so glad that that's the, that's the component there that you mentioned because it really does strike you as kind of an outlier. I mean, there's some things about this cocktail, right? There's not that many quote unquote classics that use tequila as the base spirit. But then you look at those ingredients, okay, tequila and lime, those work together. Ginger beer or ginger ale, I can see why that would work, especially with the lime, but I don't often see it with tequila. But then creme de cassis just kind of stands out as like, how the hell did that make it in there? Well, exactly. So, like what? Can you tell us about that, that, that history? Is there any known history of this drink and, and how all those components first came together? Actually, so this, this cocktail is actually really interesting. And like most, I, and I have my own theory too. I'll tell you the history of it. And then I'll give you like my like little fun, fun theory. But this is a, it's a, it's a very old cocktail. Um, and by very old, I mean, it came out in the 1940s. Uh, it was a Trader Vic cocktail. And he actually used to call it the Mexican uh, El Diablo, so like he he had he had it a long longer name for it, mm -hmm. um, and you know it it, uh, it 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 was in some of his books and it wasn't really popular. Nobody was really ordering them and kind of vanished for a little bit, and then uh, it reemerged in like the 1960s uh, at his Mexican chain, Senor Pico, and the original recipe actually called for ginger ale, which was a lot. Is it was not as sweet and loose as it is today. Uh, it, was, it was a lot tighter um, and it was a lot sharper and, and the ginger component was uh, closer to like what a, a ginger beer is nowadays, which is why now it is ginger, ginger beer instead of ginger ale. Um, and it was, I also, saw, I also found a few things that said that it was, it was like a low ABV cocktail. Like it only had an ounce of tequila in it. It was supposed oh, wow. to be like a, like a very refreshing low ABV. It was like the, you know, the predecessor to the low ABV trend. He, he was mm -hmm. just a little bit ahead of his time. Well ahead of his time. And, uh, you know, like that, you know, Trader Vic, right? So, you know, oftentimes you find, you know, those tiki or tropical drinks to be, of course, brimming with flavor, um, tons of ingredients, but oftentimes, yeah, on the boozier side. So it's interesting. It's, a, it's an interesting outlier in that front too. Mm -hmm. And I mean, when you, when you th at first you're like, oh, well, you know, it's like, is this a tiki cocktail? Is it not? And I think it is because, you know, it has it doesn't have rum or two rums, but it has mm -hmm. it has two things that have ABV in them, and then mm -hmm. you know you have your your classic sour build, and you have the spice of ginger. Um, you know that in ginger, there's you get a lot of different flavors than just the ginger. You know, you get you get spice, you get warmth, um, and then the cassis is really like like what would be the allspice drum or the pimento or, or whatever in like a modern day tiki cocktail the cassis is is made from black currant so it's not like a sweet berry it's like a right. sharp kind of bitter you know it, so it, it brings that spice element that you see in in like the the tiki style cocktails where you have like you know some cool spirit now because he's not using rum he's using tequila tequila can compare to some agricole style rums yep for sure or even you know e even um I don't, I don't know whether we want to discuss this later too in terms of like switching out some of the ingredients, but 
oftentimes I do say to people, if they love um, mezcal, I'll often say you, you should get into agriculture because I think there's many similarities there. Okay, you can move beyond the smoke, but I think most people that do love mezcal don't really think of the smoke. Yeah. It's like, okay, yeah, it's just accepted that that's in there, but it's the other profile that they're looking for. And I think there's many sim similarities there with agricole. Yeah, I'm the opposite. I, I love agricole and I'm like, whatever mm -hmm. about mezcal, unless it's like a really like cool and weird mezcal that isn't very smoky. Mm -hmm. The smoke for me has just never been a thing. Like I'm not a huge whiskey drinker either. Yeah, well, I think, I think that's something that I've encountered as well with mezcal where it's like the best ones I've had the smoke's been a, a component of it. It's been present, but it, it hasn't overtaken everything else. And I think that's obvious, right? Like that's what a great example of that spirit looks like. But I think, you know, the mass market, relatively speaking, right? The mass market mezcals, I don't know whether they just dial into that profile because it basically has this reputation as smoky tequila. So they're just being like, that's what people, ex that's what people expect. So that's what we're going to give them. Mm -hmm. And I really don't think it's a good representation of what the, the spirit category is. No, 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 I don't think so either. But we do get off topic there. Um, and Oh yeah, you know, we're talking about mezcal. Oh, this is a... <laughs> well, you know, not too far off topic. Um, and that keeps it on brand for us at least. But I will say... I'm glad that we're covering this cocktail today because recently on Vine Pair, um, one of our writers, Robert Simonson, who's very well known in the industry, he had written about how El Diablo is, uh, is quietly making a comeback and becoming a lot more popular. Um, Robert, of course, also wrote his tequila and agave cocktails uh, book recently, which is wonderful. You should check it out. But is that something you're seeing too, maybe a kind of quiet renaissance uh, did that factor into why you wanted to speak about that drink today? Not the piece, but just like anything happening currently. Well, I have I have seen it around, um, and then I, it was sometimes you don't notice things when they're right underneath your nose. And here in Miami, we drink a lot of tequila, so I feel mm -hmm. like part of the reason. And I and I I actually read the article the other day, and I wholeheartedly agree that the reason that this cocktail is making you know, a comeback and is having a resurgence is because agave spirits are hot. And I mean, yep. maybe not all around the United States, but here in Miami, it is tequila town. Everybody is all about the tequilas. Oh, let me tell you, brother, it's all, it's all around the United States. I'm seeing this, you know, in terms of sales data you see out there. I mean, it's inching closer and closer ever to, to, to vodka and whiskey, mm -hmm. you know, and it's all you hear people talking about too, just anecdotally, it's just agave, tequila. Yeah, I mean, and it's great because I I, lo I love the category, and it just you know you you can only make so many margaritas and paloma variations before you're like all right, well we need to do something else because, you know. Yeah. And, <laughs> and you know the tequila sunrise is is great, but not really. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's, 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 I I actually I that that actually hits hits me home because I used to drink tequila sunrises when when I first started drinking, so that's like a oof. But I love how that drink looks, though. I, it looks great. I just, you know, I, I wish I knew about the uh, El Diablo. It would have been way more appropriate and delicious. Yeah, 100%. Um, and I can't remember. Robert did write something in that article uh, similar to this, and, and, and I apologize for this now. But it is, El Diablo is kind of this hybrid of, of a number of different, of those drinks there with, you know, with the kind of ginger, ginger beer being something that's maybe different. But, you know, it's a highball uh, it's definitely more, uh, you know, let me, let me tell you about my theory about, uh, 
Trader Vic's and and how he really created the uh, the sh- oh yeah, please do <laughs> the El Diablo. So he, you know, he was enjoying a Shirley Temple. I know this guy; he loves Shirley Temples. <laughs> you know, do you, I mean, what is your build on the Shirley Temple? Uh, I, I I actually are don't ginger, have one. Are you a ginger ale guy, or are you a, or are you a Sprite guy? So I'm for, having not grown up here in the U.S., I've actually never had a Shirley Temple nor a Dirty Shirley. Wait, um, but, I'm, but the Dirty Shirley just had like its big debut. Like, wasn't it like recently just like the drink of the <laughs> summer? Allegedly, allegedly the Dirty uh, that was preposterous. But um, most people, I think, drink it with you know grenadine and a little bit of sprite but mm-hmm. you know and then there's some people like myself who like it with ginger ale and then you can also mix the both but i just feel like you know he was having a, a shirley temple one day and somebody spilled a little tequila in it and he was like oh this is pretty good but it's not good enough how do we make how do we make this more my style mm-hmm. so then he you know he he's like well i want to i want to give it some abv and you know give it that like Tiki, tiki-esque, but I still wanted to emulate these flavors that I'm getting from the grenadine, but like I'm not going to put grenadine in it. So that's where he, the, the cassis came about, where he was like, oh, okay, we're going to do a little cassis and then tequila, lime, and the ginger ale, and it's like an elevated Shirley Temple with tequila. That's amazing. I'm, I, I'm, I'm telling you now, this, this sounds like a very plausible theory. I'm wondering when you say that. Did they have like brand reps back in his day as well? And maybe someone brought around a bottle of tequila and he was like, okay, I got to use it. I got this lying around. I got to use it in something. Yeah. He's like, oh, well, I'm not going to sell this. I'm going to drink it. (laughs) So he just sticks it in his, in his Shirley makes the, makes El Diablo. He was having having a really tough day and he's like, I'm going to put a little tequila in my, my Shirley temple today. I don't get the impression Trader Vic ever had a bad day. That may be so. (laughs) I'm not sure, but I mean, uh, he didn't yeah. have one leg. Uh, well, yeah, no, but I, I mean more just in terms of like the drinks that he created that definitely seems to be this, this you know, this personality that's very, uh, I don't know, just uh, a very positive outlook there when oh, you look no, at his he drinks. Was, he, was, he was a genius. So this, if we're dialing into some more specifics here, we've listed the ingredients. There's... You know, some of these can maybe skew a little sweet. So I'm wondering, what are you looking for in terms of the final flavor profile of this drink? Um, what does a perfectly executed version look, taste, feel like to you? Okay, so there's there's a few ways you can actually make this cocktail. Sometimes, well, actually, we're going to get to that in a second, right? Mm-hmm. Let me just tell you what my what I'm looking for, which is balance. That's that's one of the biggest things that it, that is important with this cocktail, and that's why the cassis is important, um, because sometimes ginger beer can be too spicy, or you can add too much ginger beer, and the cocktail is not balanced enough. So I, I believe that you know if it's very very cold, and then you have just the right amount of balance, because the cassis, yeah. if you do too much, can re- can also ruin the drink. You know, it'll, it'll also it'll take it too too fruity and sharp in one way. And then it'll overpower everything, just like the ginger beer. And this is why this cocktail is, is very good cocktail. That's wonderful. Yeah, I mean, balance, it's, it's always, isn't it? It's just so, it's, it, it's one of the fundamentals. It's what you're looking for with drinks, but sometimes it can skew either side, you know, maybe slightly sweet or, you know, slightly sour, who knows, acidic. But um, you said there's techniques for doing so and for achieving that balance. But before we do, let's, let's dial into the ingredients a little bit more. Let's explore each one of these um, tequila is the base spirit, of course, as we mentioned. First of all, 
are we sticking with Blanco here? I think, you, I think you definitely have to stick with Blanco. I mean, you can you can do a repo sometimes if you're doing like a really fun variation that might you know might need that added flavor from the wood or like you know those those characters. But this cocktail is already so bold, where it already has such impactful flavors. And then if you're gonna do a riff on it and you're gonna like create some kind of berry syrup or you're going to do a ginger syrup and use soda water instead of using a ginger beer like the, you know that's that's already a lot of flavor you don't want to you don't need to put an aged spirit in here you know the tequila is it, ne it needs to stand up to it and you know it needs to provide you know stand up for itself and you know carry all these flavors yeah, and I feel like as well, as soon as you start aging tequila, if anything, you're kind of taming the spirit and, and, and yep. really, yeah, that's going to make it more muted in this drink. Exactly. And then, I mean, you could also maybe do a Cristalino because that's going to have some of those Blanco characteristics and then, you know, have, have a little bit of, of the mouthfeel of like a, of a Repo or an Añejo. Uh, but that would have to be like a very delicate, more like mm -hmm. highball style uh, El Diablo, where you do like, like some kind of bitter or shrub that has like all the components that are in the cocktail, and then you just do like a lot of soda water. So it's like the accent of El Diablo, and then you do a Cristalino tequila, which will kind of you know play play with both well. I got a question for you about Cristalino because I'm by no means one of these dogmatic agave heads. You know what I mean? Like people that just you know, and and I find them quite frankly, to be very, very boring for the most part. But I'll say this, what's the reputation there and, and, and the reaction to Cristalino in Miami? Because I think oh, well, we can chat about New it. York in a bit, but people love it. All right, tell me about that. People love it. I mean, pe people, here's, here's the thing. Like, you eat and drink what you like and don't let anybody else tell you otherwise. Because mm -hmm. we all come from different backgrounds, different cultures. Um, I mean, I grew up in Cuba. Like, I didn't eat a lot of the things I eat now growing up as a child because even though I, I moved here when I was five and mm -hmm. you know my family we were living here in Miami we still had the mentality and the customs of Cuba so like I mean I'll still go to my mom's house for dinner and there's like the salad is composed of three vegetables and it's just like okay cool there's just you know protein and starch I love it the food's delicious I'm not complaining mm -hmm. um, but it's just it's different so it's not you don't have a, a range so you you know people have different likes and dislikes so at the end of the day, it's like if you want, you know, uh, this uh, very uh, highly vanillin uh, kind of sweet tequila, I'm not going to, okay, your money's still good here, you know, cool, enjoy that. Uh, if you're open to be educated and try a few things and expand your range, cool, even better, then we can, you know, maybe hang out. But, mm -hmm. <laughs> like, whatever, like, let people drink and eat whatever they want. I just don't get the whole, the argument, like, people like, oh, you know, it's not traditional. Well, you know, neither is extra in Yale. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, tra a, tra a tradition is made over time. So yeah, it's not traditional right now because, but we can make it a tradition. If I, if uh, ten thousand years from now, something else is going to be a tradition that is that wasn't then. And <laughs> yeah, and also, you know, it's as as I understand it, um, it's very popular in Mexico as well. So you know, right. Yeah, but I mean, there's a lot of brands actually coming out with Cristalinos right now. It's like every every day you hear of a new person coming out with a Cristalino tequila. Yeah, I think I heard, you know, like a, a fairly big one recently. I think Espolone just added one. But yeah, like you say, you know, everyone's coming out with those now. And I bet that Espolone's going to sell so well because yeah. anecdotally, that seems to be a very, very popular brand as well. And one that maybe kind of flies under the radar just in terms of people realizing how big its sales are. Yeah, I mean... 
I've only tried a few, and I haven't disliked the ones that I've had. Don Julio 70's been around forever, and that one's delicious. Uh, Herodura Ultra, like, mm-hmm. that's like a guilty pleasure shot right there because it tastes <laughs> like marshmallows. And, like, not like too sweet marshmallows, just like the right amount of marshmallow, you know? But again, yeah, maybe it's not the, maybe it's not the one for this, this cocktail, but I do think that here's the other thing. People are afraid oftentimes to form their own opinion. So I feel like a lot of times you, you could speak to bartenders and, and, and ask about Cristalillo, and a lot of them would be like, nah, this is, this is terrible, it's disgusting. And A, like how much Cristalino have you actually drunk? And B, is that your opinion? Or are you saying that because you think that's what you're supposed to think? Uh, that's, that's a very valid point right there. And I'm just like, try Like you said, it goes back to exactly what you said. If you like it, drink it. If you don't, let someone else. There's... I don't know, there's thousands and thousands of booze brands out there. But anyway, that's my little rant for now. We might get one. We might get one in later. I agree. But the thing the thing is also that, you know, maybe it doesn't work in the way that you're currently drinking it. Maybe try doing something else to drink it. Like a Cristalino makes an amazing espresso martini. Oh, that sounds that sounds. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And also like espresso martini trending tequila trending. Oh, man. Combine the two. You go fire. You go to any bar or restaurant and half of the drinks anywhere are espresso martinis (laughs) it's kind of wild if we're looking back to blanca though what are you looking for are you looking for you know there's sometimes we do talk about like highland lowland whatever flavor profiles i prefer to look at tequilas just purely in terms of like more fruity and floral or more vegetal and savory yeah well i mean for for everybody out there the the lowlands or the tequila valley they're they're a little bit earthy peppery or they have like an herbal taste the you know um it's volcanic salt soil and then the highlands which is what i actually would recommend for this cocktail is a little bit softer rounder more fruity like you were saying floral Mm -hmm. um and i think a highland tequila would go well with this cocktail because of the same thing that i was saying earlier with there's already a lot of really bold flavors here but then again you can also say a lowland tequila as well because you want to you want it to stand up to those bold flavors so i guess it kind of really depends on what your intention is with the drink and what where you're going to take it it reminds me of the kind of the the concept of a food pairing when you have like you're either going for opposites attract or like for like and it, it and it feels like with this drink you can you can go for either with the with the profile of tequila correct like if if you're going to make a a very intense uh, El Diablo with like a ginger syrup instead of a ginger beer and soda water so then you know you feel like the ginger is going to be a little bit more pronounced and maybe you're making like a, a homemade ber- berry syrup with like different kinds of berries in it so you know it's a little bit more sweet and floral then you know you might want to do like a Lowland tequila that you know it's going to have a little bit more impact in the cocktail and it's going to be able to stand up to all those flavors but if you're going to do something like maybe you're going to clarify the cocktail and carbonate it then i would go with like a highland that's going to be a lot softer because your end goal is that you're going to clarify it because why because you want to you want to smoothen it out because you want to make it you want to clarify it like force carbonate it force carbonate it so you need you need something that's going to be a little softer and it's going to fit more the theme of your outcome and then you know if we can move on from there to creme de cassis um First of all, not an ingredient you see deployed all that often. There, There is another classic with it. What is it? Is it... Um, Cure Royale. 
Cure Royale, that's the one. Yeah, so always good if you get one of these more niche ingredients that you can have at least two drinks for because I feel like if it's just one, that cocktail needs to be an absolute banger mm -hmm. or it's maybe not deserving of shelf space. That's true. But I mean, you can also, if you don't have creme de cassis, you can use Chambord. It'll, it'll change the flavor profile a little bit more because Chambord has like vanilla and different berries. It's like raspberry and blackberry. Mm -hmm. um, where creme de cassis is just black currant. So they're they're same, same, but different, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's a black currant liqueur. In terms of flavor pro profile, what are we talking about here and ABV as well? So it's a, it's on, it's a liqueur, so it's, it's a, got a, a, definitely a lower ABV. I believe it's in the 20s. I actually don't know. Mm -hmm. um, and then the flavor profile, like w we don't really have, currants aren't really a thing that Americans eat, or at least... Floridians, no. you know, like I actually had a current for the first time like two months ago. We were doing a tasting for for a concept that we're doing in Tampa that's called Boulon. It's going to be a French brasserie. And we put like this, uh, it was a, a Bellini riff and mm -hmm. we're garnishing it with currants. And it's just, it's beautiful because, you know, you have this beautiful like Bellini style cocktail and then you have the, the little currants there like just hanging from the side of the glass. Nice. And it's like, oh, wow, cool. And they match the color of the cocktail. And it's also something that, you know, people don't really see here often. So it's like, oh, this is kind of cool. Um, so but you, when you bite one, it's like it's like sharp, bitter, very astringent. Um, you know, it definitely has the berry notes, but you you anticipate it being sweet when it's really not. It's, it's so interesting when you try a number of those. In, I, I think there's a number of ingredients out there like that, that we, you know, maybe more in wine, but also spirits we kind of assign tasting notes to, but people probably don't really actually eat them in real life or even just like these natural flavor drinks or whatever you have. And you're like, I've never had a cherry that tastes like that. But we, we associate the flavor with something that we probably never or very rarely eat in real life. It's mm -hmm. kind of crazy. That's true. I mean, the only way to, to, do, to define that is, you know, you, you have to taste things constantly because your palate's changing, your perception of things are changing. And like one very important thing that I'll say is that people don't take into consideration like emotion when they're tasting food. Like yeah. you can be so controlled and have something like, you know, like Shake Shack and McDonald's where it's like, you know, that's consistency, you know, but let me, mm -hmm. I mean, I'll go to Shake Shack often enough and it's, they're not always the same. Okay. No. Sometimes, and, and sometimes it, the variable is me. Maybe I'm in a great mood that day and it tastes better, or maybe I'm in a bad mood and it tastes better. Or like, you know, what did I eat earlier? Or, you know, there's a, f a bunch of other things that, that you can ensure like that it's going to be the same every single time. On the creme de cassis front there, is there any one kind of recognized brand or, you know, what are, what are you looking for there? Do you have one to recommend? You don't have to, but like, you know, sometimes you'll talk about these liqueur categories and it's, almost a category of one in some cases i love i love the jaffard stuff i use i use i, I love jaffard but like i mean i'm not gonna knock jaffard by saying that the other one tastes just as good you know yeah <laughs> whatever yeah it's, it's not, not yeah. a make or break for me like and then what what comes down to it is if, if i was going to put this cocktail on a menu and i wanted to be uh, intentful with it then i would be like all right cool let's try all these cassises and see which one are we going to use you know, mm -hmm. or I would also probably not use like full cassis. I'd probably maybe use a little bit of cassis in a cordial that I would make with some berries or wherever I want to take the cocktail. Yeah, and it's 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 the interaction with the other ingredients, right? It depends on the tequila you're using and 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 the other ingredients that we're going to come up to here. Um, 
let's go let's go lime next um go as deep as you want on that one i got a couple of follow-up questions but what are you thinking when it comes to lime in this question in this cocktail always fresh just you know it's it this cocktail doesn't require that much lime um because you know you, you do have the ginger component so it's gonna it's not gonna need that much lime i would say uh depending on how much cassis you're you're going to add which is normally like a little like quarter half um depending on how big the glass you're doing if you're doing like a short one or a tall one normally you get it in a in a tall glass you should get it in a highball but yeah fresh lime juice all the way man i mean but what's cool is that you can also sub out the lime for for lemon or any other citrus if you want to do a variation i just feel like if you go into the grapefruit territory then it starts to become too much like a paloma yep yeah that's a good point and then orange then you go into tequila sunrise territory so mm -hmm. so the lemon is good because it could it could be a little lighter make it a little bit more floral uh if you're doing like less ginger beer maybe you're doing like split ginger beer split soda yeah i think and i think i do recall um that again that robert simonson article i mentioned earlier i believe garrett richard down at uh, sunken harbor club was quoted in that and saying that he believes one of the the good decisions when making this is subbing out the lime for lemon uh i find that interesting just because of the the other components there right like lime seems to be a better partner or more common partner for tequila and and, and ginger so mm -hmm. I find that interesting. I've never had it made with lemon, so I'd be interested in that. I actually love subbing lime, uh, lemon for lime, and vice versa in cocktails, just to see how how it works. And then if you're gonna like, especially if you're gonna do a riff on something, or if you're gonna like change the cocktail a little bit, and it requires lime, like most rum cocktails require lime, just like most tequila cocktails require lime. But yep. if like you're making a rum cocktail that you want other flavors to shine, you t you take away the lime and put lemon and then it kind of amplifies those other flavors and then you, it's it's less daiquiri-esque and more whatever cocktail you're trying to make. Just like the same thing with like a margarita. Any tequila sour that you make with lime is essentially a, a variation of a margarita. So if you switch mm -hmm. out the lime component and use lemon, then you have yourself a, a daisy or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a real fun one for people to try at home there. Just, you know, any of those probably mainly shaken drinks right just just switch one for the other and taste taste what how it comes out that's pretty fun or marrying the two doing like a split base uh lemon lime um for pisco sours that's my favorite thing to do and not not go full lime or full lemon just do a, a little bit half ounce lemon half ounce lime one ounce simple syrup two ounces of pisco egg white and shake the hell out of it nice and and talk about drink by the way that's kind of hiding under your nose but i think that the pisco sour i don't know we've spoken about it a little bit before recently but i feel like that's one that's definitely quietly trending right now i'm seeing i'm seeing menus of pisco sours crop up so it's one of my top three cocktails how, how is that in terms of popularity down there in in miami uh it, it's pretty popular down here as well there's a few peruvian spots um peruvian cuisine is one of my favorites and is a uh, it's very integral to the Miami scene great great drink there um one of the one of the other questions I had for you about lime which has come up again this is a topic that keeps coming up is um super lime juice how do you feel about this concept it has a it has its place you know and it's all and it's like even like super juice like um we uh we work with this company called Sour AF, and I think my partner Guy talked about this uh, when he did the Caipirinha episode. That's and correct, like, yeah. And essentially, it's just like a, it's just a way to help, you know, elongate the life of 
of your citrus, your program. Um, maybe so, maybe not every cocktail needs fresh lime juice. Maybe you can use you know a, a, a citric acid solution like sour AF, or you know use a super juice. Um, it's you know it's all about intention and like what you're trying to achieve. Like sometimes just because it was written this way in this really old book doesn't mean it tastes good right now. Mm-hmm. No, it, it's so interesting. I mean, we had I I think. I think Guy probably was the first guest we had that brought up that topic. And then ever since then, it keeps cropping up every now and again. More recently, we had um, Harrison Snow on here from Lullaby in New York. And he was speaking about it. And he was saying, like, actually, this is how we're going to be doing our daiquiris from here on. I was like, really? And he said, you got to come down and try it. Mm-hmm. And so later on, I did go down and try it. And I got to say, it was a phenomenal daiquiri. Yeah, I mean, you just, you just know how to, how to work with it. It's it's finding that balance again, right? I mean, it always comes. The rum dynamic, you know, there's there's a lot of there's different rums that are, you know, a little bit more floral, a little bit sweeter, you know, and then that are not aged, uh, or they are aged, but they're not. All right, you've mentioned it multiple times. Something I can never quite get my head around: what is the difference between ginger ale and ginger beer? And you mentioned where to go in ginger beer here, uh, so you're they're not interchangeable. Well, now, now they're not. I mean, eh, it, it really, I mean, I actually might like uh, the cocktail with ginger ale better than ginger beer, but then you would have to increase the lime because the, the ginger ale tends to be a little bit sweeter than the ginger beer. But gin, ginger beer is just more intense ginger ale. Okay. So, all right. That makes sense. Yeah. It's not actually beer. There's no, there's no ABV. Although that would be nice. No, that would be delicious. There's mm-hmm. a, there was an alcoholic version mm-hmm. that was big. I mean, ginger beer is very big in the UK. And I think that that's why the kind of concept of ginger ale to me is just a little bit more alien because we drink a lot of ginger beer and we go for the real fiery stuff. You know, I think there's a Jamaican brand, like old Jamaican or something might even be the brand. We drink a lot of it. So there was one, there was an alcoholic version that came out, I want to say, 2012 or something around then and it was very very popular it's a great drink like, was it so popular that it's not around anymore what happened ah uh, well you know tra- trends change there was it was a movement at the time where craft side or not ciders that people thought were craft were big so like your magners and your thatchers and someone had come up with this idea you pour it over ice so then that became the biggest trend and then they moved on to fruit ciders like record leg that were like really sweet and these might all be like alien names to anyone listening because I don't know whether any of them eventually made it over the pond over here. And I think that was an extension of the trend. And I think probably people just got a bit fed up of, you know, all these different basically spiked beverages. Um, they were good, though. It was a good moment. Yeah. I mean, that's 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 amazing. I, I would I would have loved to have tried all these uh ginger <laughs> products, you know, <laughs> ginger products. I love ginger um, products. I drink ginger tea every night. Oh, it's wonderful. Um, so what about that? You mentioned a few times here that you might go down the route of a ginger syrup instead and then using soda. What are the advantages there and how might you go about that? Well, with the ginger syrup, you can control the bricks in the, in the, in the, in the cocktail. So like with the ginger beer, you're, you're, you, you, you buy the ginger beer and it's already made. So you, you know, whatever bricks and whatever, how much sugar that has, you have to take account for that. With the syrup, you can control the intensity of the ginger. You can make it, because you also have a range of ginger beers. Some are more intense, some are less intense. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe the cocktail that you wanna, the outcome that you want doesn't fit those. So 
you you make a ginger syrup with the amount of ginger that you want, and and then with that you can also add other flavors to it. Um, we actually have a a variation of the El Diablo at one of our uh, concepts. It's called uh, La Diablita, so it's like you know the little the little girl mm-hmm. devil. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we actually instead of using ginger beer, we make a ginger syrup with blackberries, oh. and then instead of using the creme de cassis. Uh, we're using a little uh, apricot liqueur, so Jaffard apricot. Uh, nice. And and then in, and then you know we keep it true with the one ounce of tequila, because you know this is this was meant to be I think a low ABV cocktail, like I discussed earlier. Uh, yeah. And then you know just serve it on a rocks glass with crushed ice, uh, and it's just it comes out comes out beautiful, f- a little fun, fruity. You know you got a little bit of that stone fruit flavor that melds really well with the the berry that sounds amazing and we actually you know it's like a splash of soda water just to give Mm -hmm. it a little bit of that like body and is this syrup if you were if you were looking at the classic el diablo but you were making the syrup for it um is that something where you might be tempted to bring in I don't know, things like star anise, cinnamon, cloves, things like that, that might take it in that more tiki direction. Definitely. I mean, we don't actually do it with this one um, because this is a very high volume place. So that's also part of the reason for the syrup. It's like instead of popping a bunch of ginger beers, you know, it's like eliminate that component, make it a quick pickup cocktail. Um, But the yeah, I would I love making super complicated syrups, but it's like let's. Let's also remember that this is a business and you know, who, who's making the syrup, the bar back that's high or, or me, you know, like, exactly. so like I, I made it good the first time, but you know, like after a few times of it being made and passed down, like, I, listen, I, I'm all about systems and I have, you know, like a, a recipe sheet that if you follow it, it's going to come out perfect, but come on, like who follows a recipe perfect? I, I saw that happen so often when I worked in kitchens, and it didn't help that our head chef would launch menus without writing menus, I, 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 without writing recipes. Sorry, like I have no idea why he did that. I think it was just a fuck with us. But He's um, figure it out. Exactly. But the way his, I can guarantee that every single new menu launched, there were five or six different components across the menu that he would make. The first time we would have them, we would be like, "This is amazing," and by week two. What was being made by the chefs? Yeah, Yeah. something was like a very, very diluted version of what he had done originally. And you're like, okay, um, maybe we've got to scratch this now. Maybe we've got to start again. And listen, I'm not knocking it. Like, I love making fun and cool syrups and things like that. But like, they they kind of all have like their their place. And I feel like this cocktail is, is a really great cocktail for a volume bar. And it's also like, it's not too crazy you know you 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 just you just make things nice maybe that's if you're doing the kind of cocktail competition route if you're doing that, yeah for sure then then let's go yeah i'm serving it on jesus's sandal for here you go like <laughs> you know i'm using moon dust instead of salt i know this cocktail doesn't get salt but it has tequila in it so it has to have salt right but well i mean we've had guests as well argue that every single cocktail or on a, on a i don't know case-by-case basis, but 90% of cocktails might be improved by some saline or whatever. Um, I, I, I don't do know. agree it's a with that. Yeah, we have, we have saline solutions at, at all our bars. So, you, you know, if you feel like it needs a little dash, it's one, two. Yeah. Know? But just like cocktails, just like food needs salt, uh, cocktails need sugar. And, I, you know, one of the things, 
about the tequila drinkers is that most people are drinking tequila because you know they're either into fitness or they they you know they're trying to drink the healthiest alternative and you know and get lit but it's like come on man like you need a little sugar in there you know can i have a uh, skinny margarita so you want tequila and lime juice why do you do this to yourself yeah or i feel like it's Just, become a trend on the please, daiquiri front put a little bit of agave in it yeah also like they're drinking tequila because it's healthier it's not i mean it's like it yeah it's not that's the craziest thing when people do these things and they have a reason for it it's like listen if you're gonna drink drink right drink what you want and don't worry about it you're still you, you know just work out a little harder or something like yeah you're drink if you're drinking i mean the calories are the same calories are like abv right i think that's where the calories stack up mm -hmm. that's what we're talking about there so um i i don't know but it is fascinating to see those myths proliferate especially the one of them that i encounter more and more these days is people saying that because of diabetes tequila is the only oh. spirit that they can drink and i have no idea that where say. that myth is coming from <laughs> <laughs> i haven't heard that one yet but that's good oh and sadly we're just um we're speaking about it here we're putting it out on the internet and yeah spreading misinformation it's guys, not true all spirits people. are, are gluten-free guys all distilled <laughs> spirits just i just i just had to put it out there one more time okay <laughs> all right then so let's now talk through the preparation of this drink as if you were making it for us here today and i'm talking the classic version um if you were, if someone set you the task of, okay, I want your specs for this as you believe it to be kind of classically. And can you give us those, so those measurements as well as the preparation steps? Of course. And I'll, I'll even, I'll even give you like two little things you can do different because I've seen it. And I think that there's nothing wrong with that. So, I mean, for me, I don't want the cocktail to to, to ha I don't want to have to, I want when the cocktail, when I have it and I drink it, I want it to just taste the way it's supposed to taste the whole time. And the reason I say this is because sometimes people will make the cocktail kind of like a dark and stormy where mm -hmm. they'll build the cocktail and then they'll drizzle the creme de cassis on top to create the layering effect. And I'm like, that's great. That's pretty. But it's not impressive to me. And it doesn't wow me. And I have to like, you know, now I have to churn it with the straw to get the flavors to blend because, you know, like I said, the cassis is is what makes this cocktail kind of harmonious and it brings balance to all these things. So that's cool if you want to do that, you know, but it looks I, great I in an Instagram I, photo. Yeah, it looks great in an Instagram photo, but there's other ways to do that. You can you can make the garnish nice. You can do like a lime wheel with a candy ginger and then throw a filthy cherry through a pick and then have this beautiful uh, garnish like protruding out of the drink. But I mean, I would like I would love to just give it like a nice whip shake. And then, you know, it, it's not about the carbonation of the ginger beer. So uh, I actually kind of would like it on the crushed ice. I like a little bit of the extra dilution. So mm -hmm. let's take it from the top, you know? Yeah, we, let's uh, do it. We build, I like to build cocktails with the uh, spirit lass. So I go with uh, the fresh juice first. So I'm doing three quarter ounce lime juice in a shaker tin. And then following that, I'm going to do half an ounce of creme de cassis. Now, that's if I'm just making a classic one. I, I personally would switch out the creme de cassis for like a strawberry syrup. I know mm -hmm. Real makes an, an amazing uh, line of syrups, so you don't even have to make it. I know that, like sometimes people are like, "Oh, I have to make that." It's like, man, there's you can buy most things now, and they're yep. pretty good because they're being mm -hmm. mass produced. So it's like, <laughs> and then you know, and then put in the tequila, add like two ice cubes, 
give it like a nice shake. I don't want to. And like, how much tequila are you going? You going two ounces? Okay, this is this is actually the the part that that a lot of people might be like, "What? This guy's crazy." I am not going two ounces, and I'm not going to do an ounce, and I'm not going to do an ounce and a half. I'm going to do an ounce and a quarter. Okay. I'm a big fan of the ounce and a quarter because I feel like an ounce is not enough, and an ounce and a half is like then that's you know whatever. I think mm-hmm. the ounce and a quarter. But I would also like I would use like a tequila that has a little bit of a higher ABV too, like like not many of those out there. There's a few out there. Like Don Fulano makes a Fulano Fuerte. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm not 100% sure about El Tesoro. I know Arquitecto is like 42%. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, Tapatio has uh, the Tapatio 110. So there's a few out there. Um, There's another one I'd like to give a shout out to. It's called El Velo. Altamar Brands, um, and that is so. That's a they're they're like an importer, and their former well, some of their team are former bartenders. So they they kind of custom designed this one. They went down, you know, like tasted whatever, and um, yeah, they work with a great producer down there. And I think it comes. In, I might be wrong, but I think it comes in. I'm not even going to say what it is because I'm going to get it wrong. But it's definitely higher than than the standard that you see. And because these guys are former bartenders as well, it's they sell it in one liter packaging and it's very, very reasonably priced. I mean, that would be a great well one there. So just want to give those guys a shout oh, out because wow, that's nice. one I've enjoyed. Um, but yeah, sorry for hijacking that there. Yeah, yeah. One and a quarter, give it a quick whip shake and uh, pour it on, pour it into a highball. Uh, and then I'm going to add about three ounces of ginger beer. I would probably pick doesn't really matter that much honestly like most of your beers are pretty <laughs> yeah pretty close you know like i'm not gonna name anybody <laughs> and then uh and then you know uh just regular ice just uh regular ice and then i would garnish it definitely with a lime wheel a candy ginger and a filthy cherry just through a skewer that sounds absolutely delicious so you've mentioned you know highball glass there and your garnish so those are covered any final thoughts here on El yeah. Diablo? So this cocktail, actually, I was thinking about it, is like the perfect beach cocktail. Mm-hmm. And and one, you know, I'm actually going to the beach on Sunday, and I have this uh, this little growler that you can get on Amazon. It's like Growler Works. It's like 120. It's like a, it's, a, it's a gallon, and you essentially, mm-hmm. it was made for beer, so people can have like you know on tap beer at their homes. But I use it a lot to just put cocktails in it and take it to places. Or like for an event, I'll have like two or three of them set up with a cocktail, and it's just like a cocktail on tap, and it's just it's perfect. So I was like, I'm thinking like you could literally just make this cocktail in a growler and take it to the beach, and just that that's like the perfect beach sipper. And so you're gonna are you gonna have all the ingredients in there already? Oh yeah, I'm gonna put everything, everything in prepared. there. Yeah, so perfect. I'll, keep I'll, that chilled. Keep it chilled. It's a it's portable. It has a gauge. It's, it's, it's everything you want for the beach. <laughs> it does sound like a great beach, beach drink right there. Well, that's El Diablo covered. How about we now move into the second part of the show where we get to know yourself more as a drinker and a bartender? Oh, man. Ready for it? Sure, let's go. Let's do it. Question number one. What style or category of spirit typically enjoys the most real estate on your back bar? Oh, well, like I said earlier, tequila is hot. I feel like tequila is behind a lot of back bars right now, especially 
especially some of mine, and it's definitely one of my top three. But if we're going to talk about, like, my home bar and what I personally like to drink, I'd definitely go with rum in this category. Yeah, I think I have more rums in my home bar than anything else. And any specific style, or are you just going across the board? That's the thing I love about rum, that it has so many different, like, styles. Like, I, I mean, when you first start drinking rum... You know, you start drinking like the the, the sweeter sipping mm -hmm. rums and there's nothing wrong with that. They're great, you know, and then, you you know, you get you start to discover, you know, agriculture and then you get into like, you know, funky Jamaican rums. And then, you know, then you go back to like a sipping rum and you're like, oh, man, I'm on the golf course. I'm not going to drink Appleton. I'm going to drink like, you know, like <laughs> yeah. Bocardier or Sacapa or something yeah. like soft that I can, you know, just like pound in the heat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, and then, you know, if I'm at home, I'm like, oh, cool. I'm going to make like a, a caipirinha with like a cachaça, which is, you know, oh, essentially man. like very, you know, agricultural style. Um, yeah. And, you know. It's funny, you know, after after Guy's episode, um, I did. I, I went through a little caipirinha phase. Oh, um, nice. And I was just, I was making them at the office. I think people enjoyed them. And then I was just trying to like adapt every cocktail to be like a riff on a caipirinha. It was wonderful. It's a great drink. It. I'm a little jealous. You know, caipirinha is one of my top cocktails. And I, you know, he, he got that one. And I was like, oh, this motherfucker. At least he kept it in the family. No, he did a good, he did a great job. I loved it. <laughs> you know. uh, shout out to Guy Yarshi there. Shout out to Guy. There was this, there was this place in DC that I used to pound caipirinhas like years ago it was uh it's a it's a place called astoria and they have like szechuan food and they have a really good ice program and and like just they just make classics what really well and they have a few cool cocktails on the menu but you know szechuan food is you know spicy and you know mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm a cuban descent like i have a good mm -hmm. spice tolerance but still um and it's just it's one of my favorite cocktails to order at places that ha that do them right and for me it's all about the crushed ice and like just pounding like just a 16 ounce glass and you mm -hmm. put like a fat caipirinha, the three ounce ones that, that he was talking about, <laughs> not the two ounce ones. And then yeah. you just pack it with crushed ice, like pack it, pack it, pack it, pack it, where it's like so tight. I would order two at a time because by the time they're done making one, yeah. I've already finished the other one. I would drink like seven <laughs> caipirinhas in, in one setting, which is like an hour. And, you know, have some noodles and some dumplings. And my mouth was on fire. It was amazing. I loved it. Nice. Very nice there. But yeah, All right, then rum. moving on to question number two. Which ingredient or tool is the most undervalued in a bartender's arsenal? Oh man. So, there's a I don't. It depends on the bartender, right? <laughs> <laughs> Good one. Uh, no, but uh, okay. So this is actually very personal uh, for me. The flashlight is okay. Is the tool that I think that people like. I'm like, yo, I can't. Sorry. Fun fact about me, I carry a flashlight with me everywhere. This is like Really? People always are like, why do you have a flashlight on you, dude? And I'm like, man, I don't even want to get into it. You know how, how useful this thing is? I mean, it's not like a, it's not like just a whatever flashlight. It's like a, it's a Streamlight Pro Tac 2. Like, it's like, it's like 350 lumen. Listen, it's a legit flashlight. But it's so useful besides the bar. I mean, listen, on uh, you can open beers with it. I mean, you can, uh... Somebody breaks glass on the floor in front of you or something like that. You immediately flash it. Everyone steps back. Uh, the bar back. You know, you can you can signal security uh, when you're not at the bar. Like sometimes calling Ubers. Like you know, the Ubers looking for you. You just you know you flash them real quick and they know that's you. You know, They're like yeah, that's my guy. <laughs> you know, I've done it where pe people have literally been like, why do you have a flashlight in your pocket? You're so stupid, whatever. And then like 20 minutes later, I'll I'll, I'll use it and they're like, damn. 
Where do I get one of those? <laughs> <laughs> you know, this reminds me, we had Toby Cicchini on talking about the oyster shucker. He chose that one. And I immediately went out after and bought one on Amazon. I'm not sure how useful it is. I've told him this, <laughs> but I feel myself making a little visit to Amazon after this recording. Streamlight, okay? Just and you can Stream even get light. one of the, like the the little ones. Like mine's a medium sized one. It fits in my back pocket. I carry it everywhere. I mean, not that I need a flashlight for self defense because this is technically a tactical flashlight. You know, I'm a trained fighter, so I'm not worried about that. But you know, you you. <laughs> You blind somebody with this as soon as you put them in their eyes, and then you can either run or hit them or whatever. Oh, my God. It's so many what? uses. I mean, you're, I'm going to think of five more uses later, and I'm going to email you, okay? <laughs> okay. We'll update them with that. That's wonderful. All right, then. First time for everything. Maybe the last time we hear flashlight on there. We'll see. Um, question number three. What's the most important piece of advice you've received while working in this industry? Okay, okay. Ooh. Well, I don't think there's one because everything is subjective. So I really think that the best advice is the one that you need at that precise moment. So I, I, I guess I'll share like a few words of like random little things that I've heard that I really like. Cause nice. Yeah. So something actually, I'm going to give another shout out to, to my, my boy Guy. Uh, people like your drinks as much as they like you. Okay, so like there's a lot of people that like they worry so much about what the drink tastes like and all this and like getting it right and this and that and whatever. And I'm like, yes. Okay, guys, we're not heart surgeons. No one's going to die. Okay, mm -hmm. we're making fucking cocktails. Right. So like be nice to the guests, you know, have fun, interact. Don't be weird because, you know, if people like you, then they're going to like your drinks. Even sometimes when it's not that great, I'm going to be like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm going to finish it. I'm not going to say anything because I like the person who made the drink. And, you know, like. Unless it's like crazy, but yeah, like, so. That's a great piece of advice. And that makes so much sense. Just hearing you talk that out, I'm like, yeah, I've, that's, I've definitely had that experience before. As and a, it's like mind boggling. Like when I tell people this during like bar training, so like, oh yeah, yeah, oh, okay. Hospitality, yeah, that's, that's this. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then there's just a few other like little funny ones. It's like, you can't make everybody happy, you know? So it's like, don't try to make everyone happy. Just, you know, mm -hmm. just be good at your job. Nothing is finite. And like what I mean by that is that if you're if you're having a shitty day, like just remember that it's going to end. And also, mm -hmm. if you're having a good day or something's good's happening, then embrace it and be grateful for it. Because, you know, not trying to say like, oh, my bad days are coming, but like, you know, but also like learn yeah. to enjoy that moment that of that is good. Um, and then I have one that John LeMayer told us one time at Sweet Liberty. Uh, Expectation is the grandfather of disappointment. Uh, and that seems a little grim, but really, uh, I, I like to spin things in a, in a positive way, you know, make bring out the light. And mm -hmm. it's just like, you know, I, I'm a very structural, like OCD kind of person, like move really fast kind of guy. So like, you know, that, that to me is like, you know, don't expect everything to always be perfect. You know, there's going to be issues, just work through them and, you know, don't always think everything's going to be great. Like just be ready for whatever's coming, you know, don't build yeah. those expectations. Be, be nice. Open. That's great advice. Well, a lot of great advice in there. Well, I think, uh, that, that it, I have one more and that wasn't necessarily one that, uh, that was told to me. It was a uh, one that I heard once and it's actually a Hemingway quote and that there's nothing noble in being better than your fellow man and true nobility is being better than your former self. So the, the greatest advice that I think I've ever heard is, 
hey man, don't try to be better than everybody. Just just be better than 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 you were today, tomorrow, and you know, baby steps. Amazing things we can things we can apply to to our work, to working in bars, and also to our personal life. So you know, great range across the board there. Um, moving on here, penultimate question: If you could only visit one last bar in your life, what would it be? Oof. Well, what's what are the parameters with this question? Like, am I there are die? no parameters? Is, is it like you know, is, is the world gonna end? Like, what's Set your own parameters. Oh, this can man. be a real bar, past or present, imaginary. You might be like, okay, as soon as I step in here, I'm not allowed to go anywhere else. Like, cr create the parameters, but just give us the bar and, and, and create the parameters because of that. Okay. Well, I'm going to make the parameters easy because I feel like, you know, our likes and dislikes change over time. You know, like we go yep. through phases in our lives where we're like, oh man, I really like this and I really want to go there because of this. You know, sometimes we go to bars because we like the drinks. Sometimes we go to bars because we want to meet people. Sometimes we go to bars because we want to dance. So like, you know, and then there are very few and far bars that, you know, can you, you can have all three of those things, but you're not always necessarily looking for all those things. So I think that today, right now, uh, I would go to my favorite bar in Washington, D.C. Uh, partly because I was just there recently for a wedding and it reminded me of living there and how much I love that city. And uh, this is a bar that doesn't, I don't think, gets a lot of recognition outside of D.C., but it's probably one of the best bars in the world. Um, and it's, it's called Residence. Uh, okay. Res Residence Cafe uh, and Bar. Uh, it's like, it's it's just the the energy when you're there like all the all the staff is is happy they're they're all uh with like they they all know each other and they all hang out like it's a family they all say hi to every single person they they build they create an experience for you you know from when you walk in to rem to remembering like what you had last time to you know just being like really warm and genuine which is really cool they yeah. make amazing cocktails and I don't really necessarily go out and drink like menu cocktails most of the time, but there I'm like, oh yeah, let me try that and let me try that. You know, they change the menu often. They, um, they're, they're, the hospitality component is really what I love about it. The, the food is amazing too, the ambiance. Like these guys go in every season, they change the, the decor and the way the place looks. It has indoor, it has outdoor. Um, you know, you can stand by the bar, you can sit down. I mean, recent, recently you can stand by the bar, which I got to experience that recently. Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, they did open like right before COVID. So like they were technically like a bar restaurant because <laughs> that's what everyone was. That's amazing. Yeah, that's just a, it's just a really good time. The, on the owners are really nice guys. And I just I love going there. D.C., real great drinking city, real underrated drinking city. A real lot of good spots out there. City, yeah. um, fantastic. All right, then. Final question. If you knew that the next cocktail you drank was going to be your last what would you order or make? Hmm. What's up with all these last questions? Am I going to die? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> you, you know something I don't. Um, uh, uh, oof. Man, you're asking a guy who drinks a lot which cocktail he has to pick. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. I mean, it would probably be a Kingston Negroni. But it wouldn't be one; it would be two, and it would be in like a sixteen-ounce pint glass uh, with a lot of crushed ice. 
I mean, you're allowed it. Right? Why not? If you, it's my last drink, why not make it a double and, you know, drink it how I want to drink it? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a, it's a wonderful drink, that one. Wonderful little riff there. And I think, yeah, I mean... Yeah, just go for the pint. Just go. I, I mean, yeah, go for the pint. You know, I mean, listen, I was gonna go with a Gibson because I love me a Gibson. You mm -hmm. know, like a like a nice Gibson with a, like a Bianco Vermouth and a lemon twist discarded, and then you know, just extra onions. But I was like, you know what? Like, who who am I trying to kid? Like, this is this is not the cocktail for the last drink. The last have. one, not yeah. the last one. That's that's the first one. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing, wonderful. Bueno, sabe qué? No hablamos en español y vamos a hablar en español y no decimos en español. <laughs> ¿Sabes qué, Josué? We could do this all day. Sorry, that's a little cheesy one no, in there hey, for you, but... You ain't lying. <laughs> but I know you're a busy man. I know you got places to be and I got to go buy myself a streamlight. So we're going we're gonna to call it a day there, but I want to say un gustazo. Thank you very much. Great Igualmente, to meet you. Igualmente, papi. <laughs> <laughs> Igualmente, papá. Bueno, hasta la próxima. Hasta la próxima. Thank you so much for everything. Thanks, Have man. A good one. Cheers. Cheers. Okay, that was a lot of info, but here's the good news. Every single episode of VinePair's Cocktail College is also published on VinePair.com as a transcript, so you can check it out there all over again. Also, if you enjoy listening to the show anywhere near as much as we enjoy making it, go ahead and hit subscribe. And please leave a rating or review wherever you get your podcasts, whether that's Apple, Spotify, or Stitcher. And please tell your friends. Now for the credits. Cocktail College is recorded and produced in New York City by myself and Keith Beavers, VinePair's tastings director and all-round podcast guru. Of course, I want to give a huge shout out to everyone on the VinePair team. Too many awesome people to mention. They know who they are. But I want to give some credit here to Danielle Grinberg, art director at VinePair, for designing the awesome show logo. And listen to that music. That's a Darby Seaside original. Finally, thank you, listener, for making it this far and for giving this whole thing a purpose. Until next time. <laughs>